If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim. Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Welcome to this week's episode of Hello Somebody. I hope everybody is doing okay. I know a lot is going on in this country and also in this world. It is hard to keep up, but we still got to push ahead and try to make sure that we are doing what we can to be optimal for ourselves and for our family, while at the same time recognizing that uh, a lot of SHIT is hitting the fan. I'm going to try to be as PG as I can today, y'all. I'm just so full. I'm excited, though, about today's show. So for those of you who are regular listeners, thank you so much for being on the Hello Somebody journey with me. And for those of you who are joining us for the very, very, very first time, welcome to the show. So I have with me today one of my dearest friends in the world. We met at uh, Cleveland State University in graduate school, and we've been rocking for almost 30 years now. <laughs> she frowning over there like, don't, don't say the numbers. Don't say the numbers. It's true, baby. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. But none other than historian, uh, professor extraordinaire, Sherlyn Allen Harris. And she is an educator. We taught together 
at Cuyahoga Community College. Uh, she is an adjunct history professor there on the Metro campus that we love so very much. And her specialties are African and African-American history, as well as African-American women's history. And Professor Allen Harris earned her undergraduate and graduate degrees from the Cleveland State University. We were rocking together then in our graduate program, our master's program together. We were teaching assistants Lord have mercy. That seems like many, many moons ago, <laughs> but we, we came up the ranks together in academia. And previously she taught history, political science and street law for more than 20 years in the Cleveland Metropolitan School District. Certainly a master teacher uh, when she was at John Hay in particular. Well, also, I mean, I, I came there to speak to some of her classes and participate in programs. And also when she taught at Elliott Middle School. I mean, we, we kicking it all. You know, it's been quite a journey. Uh, Professor Alan Harris is the immediate past president of the African American Archives Auxiliary of the Western Reserve Historical Society. In addition to writing freelance and scholarly articles, she is a published author of a book of historical fiction entitled Under the Same Moon. Baby, y'all got to get that book. It is so, so good. Under the Same Moon. Professor Harris, welcome to the show. And where can people get Under the Same Moon if they want it? Well, thank you, my friend. Under the Same Moon is under limited publication at this time. It's on Amazon, you know, and then some other outlets it's on, but it did come out in 2014. Yeah, it's still there though. Some places you can get a free download. Okay. All kinds of things. We might have to reboot that, you know, if possible, (laughs) do a reboot on that. It's really, really good. If you get a chance to pick it up, please do so. So everyone knows that I'm an educator too. And to have you and I together is such a beautiful thing. Education is certainly a foundational point for this country. It is a foundational point without a doubt for African-American people And it is something that we can do all of our lives. You know, this whole notion that people should be lifelong learners. And definitely with the advent of the World Wide Web and Google is a verb, YouTube is a verb. There's really no reason, Sherilyn, for anybody to not know what it is they really want to know. Although as academics, we will say, you know, really look deeply at the source, especially if it's on the academic side. But just in general, for general knowledge... Googling and, and YouTube right. and is really good. I have attended YouTube University on a number of occasions <laughs> to learn how to do some things. So, Me too. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. YouTube University, baby. You heard it here first. <laughs> so, you know, and I certainly have met along this journey, uh, Cheryl, and some of the most brilliant, caring and thoughtful leaders in the world of education and history. And I got to say, you are one of those. Oh, Thank you, my friend, (laughs) my sister. It's true. It it is so, so true. That's you. (laughs) No, it's us. It's us. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about a lot of issues, but we're also going to talk about the film Masters. We'll talk about that. But first, let's kind of get started with uh, why did you become an educator? I want people to get to know you a little better before we dive into our subject for this episode. So what led you, what drew you to the world of academia? Well, I don't want to get into a long story like that. I'm not one that always knew I wanted to be an educator when I was a kid. Matter of fact, I was trying not to finish college at one time. <laughs> okay. And then my life's journey said, no, you got to do this. You have to do that. I've always had an interest in history. So I used to, when I was at 
teen. I would read those historical novels, love novels, romances, and they had a lot of history there that just drew me into it. And in my work travels, I began to work with populations of people who, you know, had a history that was very interesting. We'd had to get personal documents from them, like their family Bibles, which are historical documents in, in and of themselves. And so, you know, I just said, you know, I'm a historian and what can I do with this? And I said, hmm, I know what I can do. I think I can teach this because I love it so much. And that's what drew me into it. And it was the best decision I could have ever made in my life. I would never have met Senator Turner <laughs> if I hadn't done that. And some of the people that have been in my life that have changed my life so tremendously. Nina has been one person that has done that. My former students who are still a part of my life today, I really began to know that that was my purpose in life was to teach and to disseminate what I understood. And I've always been, people call me radical. <laughs> I've always been that. And I've always spoke out and spoke up. So my mother thought I should have been a lawyer. <laughs> she told me I'm speaking up for everybody, but that's it. And, you know, my, my journey's not over, you know, just it's always one good thing after another because that is my purpose. So definitely no, the journey is far from over and it is always refreshing to talk to someone that is in their vocation, not just a job, but the thing that gets you up every morning, your ministry. I call it a ministry. I believe when people are truly doing what they were destined to do, they are in their ministry and there are many ministries. And it's not just the ministry from a religious standpoint. Teaching is a ministry. Right. Politics is a ministry, right. even though these mofos is messing it up. But when you find that thing that, that gives you life every day that you would do even for free, you are definitely in your calling and in your purpose. And you are right. an extraordinary educator. I've had the opportunity to be in your presence many a time when you were teaching from high school students to college. And I still marvel every time as if it's the first time because you are really extraordinary at what you do. And it is quite apparent that teaching is your calling. Certainly, definitely is. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, you're welcome. Sometimes, especially women and Black women, we just don't say thank you when people compliment us. Yeah, we got to just learn to say thank yes. you. And that's a message for anybody, yeah. everybody, not just you know Black people, but I just find it particularly for Black women. If somebody gives you a compliment, you don't have to rationalize it. You know, we rationalize. Just say thank you. I am all that. I receive that. Sometimes yeah. I find myself saying, I receive yeah. that. You know, because sometimes it may be in your yes. spirit because you got to practice it just by saying, I receive that or thank you. And just receive it and, and keep it moving. That's you it. Know, just accept the compliments, you know, because as historians of African American history, we know that it is part of our DNA. Not accepting compliments for ourselves or our children was a survival mechanism, you know, because doing the great bondage, our children could be taken away from us if they were seen as smart and able and good and all those kinds of things. So we say, oh, that's not my much. Oh, you should see him at home. He's not all that, you know, he's acting this way or whatever it might be. We wanted to take the spotlight off our children, especially. That's right. During those times. And those things have been transferred transgenerationally to where we are today. So we have to learn to see that, yes, we are good people. <laughs> we are uh, learned individuals and accept those compliments ourselves. That's exactly right. We are so brilliant. I, I receive it. I accept You receive it. <laughs> yes, we are receiving those things. 
If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So... Why black history? Why talk about the black experience? I recall one of my deans at Cuyahoga Community College, and I had somebody in my life too that kind of put down the fact that I majored in, you know, we, you and I both majored in American history, but we have specialties in black history. And at that time, I think my dean, he just didn't see a path. Well, both of these people, my dean at Cuyahoga Community College at the time, and then this other person did not see how I can monetize. Mm. You know, it, that's interesting. And particularly history in itself. I, I had a uh, someone in probably one of our cohort classes that said that his father said to him, what are you going to do with this degree in history? You're going to open a history store, you know, right. <laughs> but it's in the history of who I am and who we are as a people is just in my being at the molecular level. Yes. And so I've always Always, I can't think of a time when I didn't think of in terms of African American history or Black history, Black studies. And, you know, even when I teach American history, you cannot separate the history of Black people from American history. You just cannot do it. So that has always, I've always been fiercely proud of who I am, my hair, my everything about myself. I've always been pretty much proud about that. And so it just the, it was the very next step to want to teach about African-American history and not just African-American, but African history. And so it was a natural for me. Definitely. What about you? <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't know. It just kind of I love stories and I loved learning about us. And it was definitely Dr. Dorothy Salem, who's retired from Cuyahoga Community College. She was one of my very first. She was my very first professor that I ever had to teach Black history. Certainly when I was in high school, there was not a premium put on teaching at that age, you know, teaching me and my peers Black history. It was almost like it was an afterthought, Cheryl, and it still is that even to this day in some spaces. But for you and I, African-American history is central to America's history. It's not an afterthought. It's not a footnote. It is the note. It is the beat. It is right. the vibe, right, right. baby, because this nation would not be a hegemon nation without us. And even though they did it in one of the most corrupting, inhumane ways known to humanity, right. the fact of the matter is United States is what it is today from an economic standpoint because of the forced free labor that our ancestors performed on this soil. 
But going back to Dr. Dorothy Salem, yeah, and, and just when I saw this blonde-haired white woman in front of the class, and in those days, the schedules were still on paper. You Can I get a witness? Yeah. Hopefully, we got some witnesses listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at the schedule and looking at this woman, and I just knew I was in the wrong class. Either I was in the wrong class or she was in the wrong class, because there is no way a white woman <laughs> could teach black history. But I was so wrong. She opened my eyes in so many ways and is the reason why I totally went forward with having that expertise in African-American history because she centered the history of Black people, uh, Africans, and then their American descendants uh, many generations down the line. And that forever changed my life. And I was able to block out the naysayers about, you know, how you going to monetize this and it's not worthy. And this was coming from Black people because we can be just as brainwashed because we were socialized in America that has constantly told us both covertly and overtly that the history of our people is a footnote. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the development of humanity itself in a broader context of the world and certainly of America. When, as I said before, we the main note. Uh, Your thoughts on that? Right. Absolutely. The main note. And you're right. You're so right. I've had to fight through my educational experience with my students, with some of their parents, you know, saying, why why do we have to learn black history in your class every day? Why do you turn, you know, all your classes into a black history lesson? Then the first thing I'm saying is you're black every day, aren't you? <laughs> you know, do you take time off from being black? Right. You know, you do let me know. <laughs> you know, you know, and then even thinking about this movie master that we're gonna discuss a little bit of. I think that um, you know, the, my students have said, well, you know, we got to be around everybody. You know, we need to learn how to be around everybody. We don't need to just learn how to be around black people. So those are my biggest struggles with some of my students. And I said, no, but you need to learn that you are valuable, that you matter. You need to dislearn the things that you have learned. Deconstruct your construction. Exactly. Yes. Those are some of the struggles. I've even had an, an administrator tell me in middle school, well, he was evaluating me the day that I was doing um, a section on enslavement. And he told me later on that I made the kids feel uncomfortable because we were talking about that. Because you can imagine a middle school textbook with about three paragraphs on enslavement. Yes. And so, of course, I'm going to expand on it. And I did. And, And when he spoke to me about it, he said, well, you really made the kids feel uncomfortable. And I asked him, I said, should I have lied to them? Would you have me lie? <laughs> so I said, I'm not going to do that. He was uncomfortable. No, he was. He was definitely uncomfortable. But I think I really hit my stride, though, when I was able to get into high school and I was able to design my lessons. And I was basically the go to black person <laughs> in the school for programs, Black History Month, Kwanzaa and everything else. So I had a freedom there in that school to be able to deal with students. And I dealt, and I had not just Black students at John Hay, School of Architecture and Design, by the way. I um, had a, a nice young lady, white student, and she said to me, Miss Allen Harris, why, why are we always talking about race things? And her name was Emily. I said, Emily, I said, remember at the beginning of the class when we talked about the uh, U.S. Constitution, we talked about the Bill of Rights and we talked about the preamble to the Constitution and said, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. And she said, yes, I remember that. I said, do we have a perfect union? 
She said, no, we don't have a perfect union, Ms. Allen Harris. And I said, well, that's why we talk about race. Come on. And she said, I I understand. (laughs) So, but, uh, and we don't have, and as a matter of fact, we're regressing. Yeah, we are. That is frightening. It is. I mean, while we're on the topic, I mean, I know that we're going to get into masters. If you want to delve into some of the ways that you see us regressing as a nation, definitely feel free to, to jump on in that. Well, it's just that our legislators, our people, our policymakers, you know, they have put a stranglehold on the we the people part of it. And it's we the corporation, them the corporation, the corporate states of America is what we're going to. And then, you know, trying to hold on to that capitalist profit motive just drives people to all kinds of craziness. And that's that's where we are now. And then even to have to talk about critical race theory, that's not being taught in any lower level classrooms at all. And what critical race theory says is that, and as a matter of fact, it was Dr. Uh, Derek Bell at Harvard that put forth that theory, he and another colleague of his, and the idea that certain things happen and there's a racial uh, impact on what happens in the society, what happens according to the zip code where you live, according to your health, according to your life expectancy, according to all those factors that identify what a good life should be. And that those are racial factors for that. And those are policymakers that have done that in, over the course of years. So I would say since the end of Reconstruction. Yeah, and, and Reconstruction, Reconstruction ended abruptly because a political deal was cut at the expense of black folks. Right. Hello, somebody on that. So it was destroyed. It was destroyed. Yeah, 1877. Hello. And we could certainly read. I mean, that that's a whole show. That's a whole show in, in and of itself. But if we look at that and say that the strides that, well, actually, after Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896, everything has been designed purposely. And it's always conservatives. Uh, there needs to be another term because conservatism doesn't fit in my opinion, with white racism. Yeah, I have a word, but it definitely would be too provocative what's coming to my mind right now. But I I hear you. Go ahead. I, I, I cut you off. So, yeah. So then here and then here we are, you know, we feel like, you know, we've made some strides. And really, the whole idea was for the powers that be to reverse reconstruction altogether, reverse voting, reverse whatever could be done to put the power back in the hands of white racist men, period. Keep the status quo. Yeah. So and so here we are, you know, but I'm not afraid. I am not going to lie in anybody's classroom. I'm going to teach what I teach. It is not critical race theory. They just don't want black history taught. That's period. what it That's is. What that is. Or they want to say that, well, Civil War had nothing to do with slavery. You know, these were involuntary immigrants or something like that they're coming up with. (laughs) God almighty. So there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. And I will say too, that I never had any student in my class, any white student in my class that said that they felt guilty or bad because of what they heard, what they learned. They were angry that they had never learned it. And they were angry at the injustices, period. That's what they were angry at. They were never like, oh my God, you make me feel so bad. And the people who are pushing this, like Governor DeSantis in Florida and others of the GOP on the federal level, they know it. They know it. See, this is about disempowerment. 
Because to your point about your white exactly. students and your black students, I'm sure learning this knowledge felt empowered. Their minds are opened. And so now they're going to think a different way. They're going to move a different way. And hopefully it enlightens them so much that they move with a critical eye towards being anti-racist and making the world a better right. place. I mean, you and I are extraordinarily good especially when we're teaching high school students is weaving in history, but also weaving in life learnings, doing a little mama ring. I just made that word up, but being mamas <laughs> to some folks in the classroom. I love to teach my high tech Academy students at Tri-C because baby, I can mama you. Now I, you under 18, I can mama you in this classroom as well as yeah. teach you about certain aspects of America's history. And it was just a beautiful thing. To me, Sherlyn, that is what these so-called leaders fear the most, is that the people will band together, have a strong understanding and appreciation for one another. And if we band together, that means we're going to fight together. We're going to love together. We're going to push together. And the elites of this world. They don't want that. And you know, as a historian, you and I have talked, think about the different rebellions, think about the differences, how the power class, the elites, even during slavery, separated the indentured servant from the enslaved because they didn't want us to have a knowledge of each other's suffering so that then we would come together and defeat their behinds. Right, right. Not only just separating, but this whole idea of creating this idea that, you know, one group is better White than another supremacy. for whatever reason. White supremacy. But if your movements are prescribed and limited, I don't care if you worked in the house or wherever you were, you still were unfree. You had the same situation. And it was even worse for, for those that worked in the house. It was. Because they, the women were subject to rape. Actually, revolution could be planned in those in those fields. And that's, that's it. That's where that and happens. the psychological damage. And I'm glad, you know, Sherilyn, let's, let's stay right there. I know there's a famous quote by Minister Malcolm X. Well, he tells the story about the difference between a house slave and the field slave. Even Minister Malcolm right. did not get that right. And as much as, you know, I love Minister Malcolm X, the portrayal of the house slave is somehow the enslaved person that was going to sell out their people more readily than anybody else. That is a misnomer to the point that you just made. Now, were there some incidences? Absolutely. People get caught up. And if that's all that you know, but to be a enslaved person in the master's house was much harder because you didn't get any reprieve to yourself. The wet nurses, you know, they had to sleep on the floor of the room. They had to have those babies at all times. They had to suckle those babies. You know, black women breastfed America. That makes me angry right. as hell just to right. even. So and then the psychological mm -hmm. not being able to get a moment to yourself. I mean, both whether you were in the field or in the house, there was psychological trauma to being enslaved. But the house enslaved person did not get a moment's rest. Now, and, and you're right. Revolution definitely was planned in the field, but also some revolutionary things happened in the house. Cause baby, don't mess with the person that's cooking your food. I'm just going to leave that right there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a story, and since I can't really think of it right now, but I think it happened in New Orleans where this uh, woman was enslaved in the house and she, she wound up killing the entire family in that house. And she went on trial for it. And of course, you know, she had to suffer. Was that Cecilia, the slave? No, no, that's now Cecilia. That's a whole the, the, the book that I'm still using in, in the African-American women's history class. We'll talk about that in a second. But this woman, this is a story of her having ground up glass and 
putting it into the food to, you know, eventually destroy the digestive system and everything of those in the house. And I think she finally confessed. So I, I would have to do some more research on that because this has been years ago when I heard about that one. But the book that I'm using, well, I was using uh, was Celia the Slave, which was a true story of the woman who killed her so-called master. She bludgeoned him, put him in the fire in her hearth. But she didn't do this by herself. But she claimed that she did it all by herself. It was a strike at enslavement and the idea of slavery. And it took place in Missouri. And so during that time was, the you know, the, the whole the Civil War before the Civil War. Sure. And people were afraid of the people that they were enslaving. They should have been. Yes, they should have. You got to be stressed out every day <laughs> trying to hold these people in bondage. And because, you know, people, the stories that we have not heard about are the ones that I would really, if I had an opportunity to know the stories that we know, the stories we've heard of, we know about Sister Harriet, Harriet Tubman, yeah. but there were other stories as well. People were running away. They were killing their masters. Yeah. Our ancestors led our own freedom struggle. Okay. And so something had to be done about it. And I'm not trying to take away from any of the abolitionists of the work that they did because they put their lives on the line as well. But the black folks who needed to be free led their own freedom struggle. And that's an important point to center black people, black people, free black people. Now, did we have some co-conspirators in our some of our white sisters and brothers who were right there by our side, like John Brown? Yes. But black people are responsible for their own liberation. We're, we're the center of that liberation. And, and people like Frederick Douglass, he was a regular consultant with Abraham Lincoln. He said, what do your people want? This is what we want. We want freedom. They want freedom. They want land. They want equal opportunities and want to be, you know, independent and be able to pass on wealth to their children as well. You know, do the same things that any normal person wants to do. That's that's what our people want. So they were putting all kinds of messages in that man's ears. And we know what happened that the Emancipation Proclamation was a war tactic. And Ooh, don't um, get me started to try to bring the Confederacy around. I mean, it's, it's so complex. You know, it is not what our people like to think. And I mean, we are, we, we like a romantic kind of sounding story, like people in their churches and watch night and midnight. And, the, the, you know, it's like the bells ring and the trumpet sound and the paper signed and all the gates fly open <laughs> and that kind of thing. We know that didn't That's happen. That's right. Okay. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, because people in the surrounding states, in, in those border states were not free. That's it. And that political tactic from a tactician standpoint is the slaves in the border states like Maryland, those enslaved people were not freed by the Emancipation Proclamation. They were allowed to keep their enslaved people because that was a, for the sake of the war, tactically, the North needed right. those border states to be on their side. I put in air quotes. Also, the Emancipation Proclamation, 1863, the 11 states that ceded the Union, starting with that damn South Carolina. Don't get me started on South Carolina. Even right now, South Carolina got black leaders that don't. Oh, Lord. Let me stay on topic. The 11 states that ceded the Union created their own government. Professor Harris, they had their own government. Right. So you right. can't then turn around and tell another government what to do. That's another reason why. So we're not saying that the Emancipation Proclamation was not a good tactic. It was, but it was not pure in its intentions. 
and very few things are. In other words, we can definitely lift up President Abraham Lincoln, but also tell the whole story. And there are many quotes with President Abraham Lincoln saying that he had never intended for blacks and whites to be equal. And if he had his preference, the white man would always be above the black man. Now I'm paraphrasing here, but you can just go on back. He believed in shipping our butts on back to Africa, even though by that time, the many layered generations that had been here, there is no damn going back to Africa because we were never there. Generationally, right. you know, once our African foremothers and forefathers, yes. But when they started producing offspring on this damn soil, there was no go back to Africa. But he was part, he supported that, Shirley. He supported that. And also that other paraphrase that he said that if he could keep the union together, that was his whole That's it. idea. That he wanted to keep the union together and if he could do it by freeing no enslaved That's people. it. He would do that too. That's right. And two, the idea, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up though that they were not born in Africa. They're, it's true. We were not born in Africa, but Africa was born in us because that's why we have the drive that we have to hold on and find things and find our roots and, and our ethnic groups in Africa and that kind of thing. So it was born in us. You better say that. <laughs> the, the other thing that the Emancipation Proclamation did was that, that it gave those that were running away more wherewithal to go behind union lines, find refuge behind the union lines, which they had already been doing that anyway, before the Emancipation Proclamation. Yes. And so that's it. Well, now we got the word. We can do this. Yeah, we'll definitely do another show on uh, the reconstruction and all of that good stuff because we really, we feeling it. We really are. Another reason why we majored in it, we studied it because it is vibrant. It is complex. It is exciting. It is depressing at times. It's empowering. But just reliving this. It's empowering and it's affirming. And and it's affirming. Yes, reliving it every single semester. You know, that's why I'm always ready to fight. Always. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T Connects, an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Let's go on to Master, the film. We had a quick conversation about that when we discovered that we both watched the show. It is airing right now on Prime Video, Master. Came out this year, 2022. And it really shows in a very creative way it's a really a discussion about uh, microaggressions that black people have to face, especially black people in a professional class of work. And it's suspenseful. You know, I would call it a suspense 
on the edge of your seat, you can't, not on the edge of your seat in terms that it's scary, but it's the type of movie that you have to watch. You can't multitask while you're watching it because each scene builds on the next, builds on the next, and builds on the next. I enjoyed it so very much. It stars Regina Hall is the lead actress, and it was very, very well done. So you want to go into it a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I don't want to be a spoiler. Yeah, yeah, let's not be a spoiler. That's right. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I don't want to be a spoiler, but it looks at the challenges of three black women as they navigate higher education, as they navigate academia, two as professors and one as a student. And it builds itself as like a horror, but it's not really a horror. If anything is the horror, it's the persistence of white racism. That's it. There's a lot of symbolism in there. There's a lot of things I think people can relate to. The microaggressions will start at the beginning, you know, and kind of just populate the movie throughout. And it kind of gives you this notion that racism is here and it's not going anywhere. You know, it's died in the wool in American bones, in the, this country's bones. It's died in, the, in no matter what you do, no matter how many offices of diversity, inclusion, and equity you create, you're still dealing with those issues. And, and I would say that what the movie kind of highlights for me is this idea of managing people rather than valuing people. That preaches. Okay? As we have seen. I mean, it's the idea that these people aren't going anywhere. We had hoped that, you know, they would be inferior and die off (laughs) after the period of enslavement. But that didn't happen. You know, if our ancestors and just even one of them survived the belly and they did of a slave ship and we have them to thank for being here. And so we have no business thinking that we're supposed to give up. We had we our ancestors went through the worst. Yeah, they did. But anyway, so the idea that you're going to manage these people and you're going to play smoke and mirrors with them. And I don't mean to step on any toes, but, you know, being in higher education myself, many times the public universities, colleges and universities have to have some type of um, diversity and inclusion and equity. And there's certain things that they can do. They can, you know, the equitable thing to do would be to hire professors and retain them in those classrooms. But what I have seen is that you have this office of diversity and equity and inclusion and they have speakers and they have somebody that wrote a book and they satisfy that piece of being a public college and having to do this. And they they satisfy it in a number of ways that don't include dealing with the real issues, which is the equity for black folks. And it's a very superficial way to deal with diversity and inclusion. So since we're not going to be spoilers, the whole theme of that movie is microaggressions, tokenism. You know, we could think of these different diversification your self-worth, how much of yourself are you going to give up to have XYZ position, whether that is being the the master of the college or being a student that is pursuing a degree, but you are surrounded mainly with white students, how much of yourself are you going to give up to be in those circles? And as you laid out, two professors are being followed or highlighted in this in this movie again on Prime Video, and then one student. It's very deep. It really came to me, Professor Melissa Harris Perry's Sister Citizen. Yes, very good book. 
you know, she put forth the idea and she got it from somewhere else though too. But it was the idea of trying to stand straight in a crooked yes. And you cannot stand straight. There's nothing normal about standing straight. You can't stand straight in a crooked room. You got to contort yourself and you got to do that, which is abnormal in order to try to fit in. And that's what we see in this this movie that the young student, Jasmine, wanted to fit in as any young person would want to do. She wanted to fit in, but she was challenged almost at every turn. And not only was she challenged, she was made to feel like it was her. That she had done something. That's right. And so often our black students are made to feel that way. Black people in general, that our very existence is wrong. You know, how we express ourselves is wrong. So I love the fact that you brought up Professor Melissa Harris Perry's book, Sister Citizen. I do encourage people to read that book. But yeah, trying to trying to stand up straight in a crooked room. Definitely an excellent example of what the film is about. And you can lose yourself. That's no benefit to you or to the world because you're not here to be a carbon copy of anybody else. You're here to be you, do you. But it's so hard, all of the pressures that are on you to make you conform. That's what it is. And it's like, we're side-eyeing you because you really don't, we don't really believe you belong here. Right. But since you're here, we're going to manage you. We're That's gonna, right. You know, you're, you're not worthy. We don't manage. know how you, how you snuck in here. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely encourage people to watch that film and have some conversations about it. Well, Professor Sherlyn Allen Harris, we could go on and on and we will go on again. We're going to have to come back and do this again. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you as a guest on Hello Somebody on this particular episode. Thank you all so much for joining us again. I am here with my sister girlfriend of many, many years, Professor Sherlyn Allen Harris. She is an extraordinary educator, uh, activist, writer, poet. Remember we used to do spoken word poetry? Oh, we're going to talk about that on our next show, baby. Yeah. We, we used to still, do that. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. So. Oh my God. How We We did. did. We did some things and we continue to do some things. (laughs) But thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. This has been absolutely an illuminating episode. I want everybody listening. Thank you so much for being here with us. Again, if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for your support. If you are new for the very first time, welcome to Hello Somebody. We hope that you stick around. I'm Nina Turner. Hello, somebody, because everybody is somebody. And I want you all to keep the faith and keep the fight. Coming. The pain is numbing. Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something. Embrace the love for your brother and sister. Unity's the missing brush. We need to puzzle this picture. Let's paint it up, frame it up for the world to see. Hang the hatred up. Enough is enough is enough. Making changes on us. In Turner, her voice is the truth. Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end. Never give up. Keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold. Back to the end, now is your time. Stay firm, don't fold. To the A, all you need is the three bones. That's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all of here, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land, I swear. World peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Famous. Need to turn up.
Hello Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.